0: I want to beg your attention this morning in the book of Jonah. Uh, let me read this text first, if you don't mind, and then hopefully it's going to give our guys some time to get ready and get started to show that video. I really, I really want to show that video because I think it's going to be uh, impactful. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, like you, you can't see the guys in the back. I'm seeing all of this, all of this. Uh, We'll see. I want to look at Jonah chapter 1. And I'm reading from verse number 1. This is a, a very familiar text to most, if not all, as we think about the story and the account of Jonah. And I want to preach from this text this morning. But I want to read just a few verses and we'll take things from there. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down first to Joppa and found a ship going. To Tarshish, So he paid the fear and went into that ship and they took him down to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest or storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the mariners or the sailors, were afraid, and every man cried out to his several gods, And they threw cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship. Having laid down, he had fallen fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. I want you to to focus and put an asterisk by verse number six. What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know for whom cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast these lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country, and what is your people? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear The Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because Jonah had told them. Verse number 11. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. Just before I, I, I begin in my, my message on this morning, I. I notice we have several individuals here who might be visitors. And if, if you don't mind, I, I, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. But if you are a visitor here, uh, would you mind just standing so that we could acknowledge you? If you are a visitor here, uh, would you mind just standing for a brief moment so that we could acknowledge you? All right. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. And, and in the words of my, my dearly beloved brother, Uh, now going to be with the Lord Daryl D. Holt. I just want to echo the the sentiments that if you're a visitor here uh, and somebody treats you with unkindness, uh, please conclude that you're not a member of the Antioch Church of Christ. (laughs) Uh, All right, so let me me just say that off the bat. A couple of weeks now I've been saying to us that there are some places and some spaces that God takes us to, to do some things in us. We looked about two weeks ago at the fiery places as we looked at Daniel, uh, namely Daniel chapter 3 with the three Hebrew boys as they were cast into a fiery furnace. And we saw there as we, we looked at that space that God often uses the fire to refine the faith of the believer. As we looked there in Daniel chapter number 3, we saw that uh, the fire is nothing to be feared, but with faith we could step into the fire because we know that our God is not hurt nor hindered by fire. Our God can also be found in the fire. But then secondly, last week, we, we saw that God not only brings us to some fiery places and some fiery spaces, but God also at times brings us into the wilderness experience. That is to say, when God brings his people into our several wildernesses, it's for the purpose of preparation for for future conquests and for future battles. Not only does God bring us into our wildernesses for the express purpose of preparation, but God also brings us into our wilderness experiences to train us and to test us and to teach us. But there is another place and another space that God brings his people to, to refine, to train, to prepare, and to teach. It's, it's the place of the storm. And as you think about where we are in our text this morning, I, I have a brief, simple exhortation for us that is entitled, Some Things We Learn in the Midst of a Storm. My grandmother growing up would have often echoed the sentiments that that a church would often go through uh, three phases of its journey. Uh, A person would often go through three phases of their life. Either you have a person or a church that have gone through some things, you have a church or a person that is going through some things. But she would often say that you you also have another phase If, if you haven't gone through some things or if you are not going through some things, then you just hold on because as long as there is life and there is time, trust me, you will go through some things in the future. I I, I know for a fact that all of us, if we were to be honest, all of us have have gone through some fiery situations and some fiery pits. I know for a fact that all of us, if, if we were to be honest, all of us would have gone through, if not going through, some wilderness experience. But the truth is, all of us, if we haven't, are not, or will, we will go through at some point in time a storm scenario. And as we look at our particular text on this morning, I want us to look at this book of Jonah, a a very familiar text. I want us to conclude this morning that Jonah, the story of Jonah, is more than just Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. And so you may understand the story from a fundamental standpoint. You may identify with Jonah from the standpoint of being swallowed up by a big fish. But Jonah's life and this story and this book is so much more than just this account of Jonah being swallowed up by a whale or by a big fish. So as we look at this particular text, I want us to appreciate that there are some things within Jonah. There are some things within chapter number 1. There are some things within the life and this storm scenario that God wants to teach us with regard to how we approach the storms and the things that storms ultimately teaches us. Let me say this before we get into our message. Church, if we have gone through our fire, And if after we have gone through our wilderness, even if after we have gone through some storms, if we don't come out at the end of those processes, at the end of those scenarios in a closer relationship with God, then you would not have received the benefit of that space and that place that God would have taken you to. In other words, after you come out your fire, and after you come out your wilderness, and after you come out your storm, if your heart isn't open more to love, if your heart isn't open more to forgiveness, if your heart isn't open more to trust, if your heart isn't open more to faith, if you aren't open more, if you aren't in a closer relationship with God at the end of your process, I'm saying that you did not not endure the process in a way that you were supposed to. I had a teacher one time that would say, if you continue getting F's, it's because you you didn't learn in the classroom setting. And so if we continue to be people after coming out of our several situations and several storms, if we come out more hateful and more hurt than closer in relationship to God, and I'm sorry, then maybe that means we didn't approach our storms and approach our wildernesses and approach our fiery pits with the type of mentality and heart that we were supposed to. But there are four things as we look at this particular text. There, there are four things I want to show us from this text that I believe that God teaches us in the midst of our several storms. Number one, I want us to appreciate that storms teach us to always be prepared. Could you repeat that? Always be prepared. Storms teach us to always be Prepared. When I was growing up, I, I had a grandmother, and as I was growing up with my grandmother, there, there are several things I could say concerning my grandmother on this point about being prepared. But but have you ever had somebody in your life, and and and, and, and you know a lot of a lot of you know African American folks could could, test, could testify to this. But my grandmother would say things that 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 would make us blush today. she she, she would say things to me like, make sure that when you're going out. I could be going out right to the street, or I could be going out to the, to the neighborhood grocery or whatever. She says, make sure whenever you are going out, please forgive me for my language. She says, make sure that you have on good underwear. Right. Because you never, you never could tell if you might end up in the hospital. <laughs> what she's trying to teach me, and what she was trying to teach me at the time was always be prepared, The old people back home would say, You don't, you don't pray for rain and then not take an umbrella. You always be prepared. When when I was growing up, I remember this clearly as day, and I've shared this already in times past, maybe, maybe not even here, but I remember growing up, she would when when I'm getting ready to go to school at times, and our school system, we had to get up really early in the morning, you would have to do all your chores. Kids You you had to get up early enough to make your bed and clean your room and help, you know, clean up the house and everything else before you left the home. You didn't just get up on Monday, change your clothes without brushing your teeth or taking a shower and go off to school. You got up in the morning and you did some chores and then after you concluded your chores, you got yourself ready to go to school. Getting yourself ready to go to school meant that you didn't necessarily walk out the street to get a taxi or jump in somebody's car. You needed to start walking for maybe a half a mile, a mile or two, depending on where you were. But I remember there would be times when it's, it's, it's very early in the morning and there's not a cloud in the sky, Todd, uh, t- and, and she would say to me something like this. She would say, take an umbrella or a raincoat with you. And I'm watching her like, "Ma, you have to be a mad lady. There is not a cloud in the sky right now. Why would I? My, my, my book bag, poor kids, you, you kids have it good today. My, my book bag would be three, if not four times bigger than my little body. And so you have to walk. I, I, this, I'm not joking. You guys think I'm joking. You, you, you have to walk like this going to school. The bag was that big. And I would say, Ma, you have to be crazy. My bag is so big. You, you're asking me to add one more thing to this? No, 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 I don't want to do it. But, but I, I, I'll, I'll ask her, like, what do you mean take an umbrella? What do you mean take a raincoat? There's not a cloud in the sky. And she would say the weirdest thing, Sister Angie. She would say some things like, well, I could smell the rain in the air. It wasn't until I got older did I, did I understand that there were some telltale signs about, about the weather and, and things that you could smell rain long before you see it. And if it wasn't the fact that she could smell it, she would say, Well, you know, I, I just feel it in my, in my knees. My shoulder is hurting. And so she, 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 she's noting the change in the temperature because she feels it in the body. Here it is in our text. I want us to appreciate no sooner does Jonah leave the presence of God, uh, he makes his way down into Joppa to find a boat to go in the exact opposite direction that God instructed him to. God told him, I need for you to go to Nineveh. He says, no, God, I'm going to Tarshish. Who are you, Jonah, to to tell God where you want to go? Who are you, Jonah, to look God in the face after God gives you instructions to go and speak a word to these people? Who are you not to do it? But Jonah has a chip on his shoulder because at this particular point in time, Jonah understands that the people of Nineveh, their heritage and their history was a wicked one. Even God says it in, in, in the account of Jonah. They were a wicked people. It was a wicked city, but God also knows that as much as a person might be wicked, God also knows as much as a person might be evil, God also knows as much as a person might be broken, they are just one word away from repentance. I know at times we might feel like if we're limited or we might think to ourselves in our human capacities that that we have the ability and the right to choose who we take the word of God to. But the word of God is is to be taken to every single person in every single nation, in every single place, no matter the state of their heart. If you and I as human beings were to determine who got saved and who didn't get saved, then we would choose people based on the outward appearance when God was a God of, to prove that he didn't judge based on the outward, he judged on the inward. So it didn't matter what the history was, God is saying there's a time to repent. It didn't matter what their hearts were like, God is saying they could still change, but it was dependent on the word of God. No sooner did these men take off uh, from, from, from port did we recognize that later on they came upon a storm. And what I want to show us is that as they, they launch from the port and as they make their way out onto the sea, I want us to see this, these mariners were skilled enough as they looked at the skies and as they took into account the wind, they would have known if the conditions were conducive enough for sailing or for not. So in other words, just as my grandmother had the ability to tell if rain was going to fall because she could smell the rain in the air, these marinas were more skilled to be able to tell if a storm was going to come on the horizon. The point is this. When they left port church, the conditions were conducive. When they left port, there was no storm to worry about. Let, 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 let 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 me make this a little bit more applicable. When they began their Christian journey, there was no trouble to be seen. Let me get a little bit more personal. When they began their marital journey, there was no problems to be seen. Because conditions were conducive to do so. You guys with me now? And so they started on their journey because the conditions... We're right, but I need for us to appreciate this. Even though your journey may start off well, there might be times in your journey when you will encounter some storms. So look to your neighbor and say, be prepared. All right, look to your neighbor now, the one that you really didn't, and say, be prepared. Be prepared. In other words, I want us to appreciate this. The storms teach us that we need to be prepared to encounter the difficulties and the trials of life come with me if you don't mind really quickly I want to show you this really quick before we move on come with me to the book of first Timothy chapter number four. First Timothy chapter number four I want to take up the reading from verse 12 but my, my highlight verse is going to be verse number 15 first Timothy chapter 4 I want to begin my reading in verse number 12 but I want to make my way down to verse number 15 Paul would tell this young man, Timothy, let no one, let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example to the believer in word, in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. He says in verse number 13, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. He says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership verse number 15 i want you to take note of of this word or this statement he says meditate does your bible have that yeah he says meditate on these things give yourself entirely to them that your progress may appear to all does your bible have meditate Meditate, what does your Bible have, Kim? Be diligent. It's, it's, it's the idea, if I'm being honest with you, the idea of assimilate in mind these things. That word assimilation there, if you've had any, any type of uh, understanding or background into, the, into military life, you, you understand that before you go into the, the field, before you, you shoot a, a weapon on the field of battle, in, 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 in camps and in barracks, you go through training or what we call simulation. If if you entitle, if, if you want to become a pilot one day before you actually go into the cockpit of a plane and fly on your own, even with somebody next to your side, you will go through a period of what is called simulation. In other words, it's not the real thing, but it is as close to the real thing and taking into consideration any and every possible scenario that you could go into. If if you want to become a ship captain one day, you'll go through the same process, simulation. Sadly, we don't have many simulations when it comes to driving. <laughs> because I, I feel, Rachel, that might be something good for us to, to, to engage in. We'll, 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 we'll have a simulator to teach people how to drive before they get on these, these, these crazy roads. But the point is this he says, I need for you to simulate in heart and mind all the possible scenarios and outcomes that you could have before you encounter it so that when you do finally encounter it, you have some semblance of understanding about how you could tackle that thing. So storms teach us, if I'm being honest with us, storms teach us to always be prepared. Why is that? Because we, we understand at any given point in time we could encounter a trial, we could encounter a difficulty, we could encounter a storm, and if we at least have a plan of attack beforehand, it might do us well in and through the encounter. Don't wait, don't wait until you lose that loved one to try and figure out how you will deal with the aftermath. Don't wait until you lose your job to try and think about what your process is going to look like should you lose the job. Don't wait until the economy goes all the way down the drain before you figure out how you're going to tackle. Don't wait. He says simulate, meditate, be prepared. Because it's not a matter of if the trials will come. It's always a matter of when. So we need to be people who are well prepared long before the difficulties come our way. Not only do we need to recognize that storms teach us to always be prepared, but I want us to appreciate this as we move on to number two really quickly. Contrary to popular belief, not every storm that we find ourselves in church is as a result of our own wrongdoing. Let me, let me, let me just take a sip of water and I'll, I'll repeat that. Contrary to popular belief, And I know right now, if you know anything about the Jonah account, you're you're saying to yourself, well, Brother Morgan, what is he talking about? Because the entire purpose of the storm coming on the the sea and, and, and having the ship in this fray is because of something Jonah did. But understand that Jonah is not the only person in this scenario. The marinas had nothing to do with running away from God. The marinas had nothing to do with with what led to the storm. But the marinas have been caught in the middle of this boat, in the middle of this sea, in the middle of this storm as well. So contrary to popular belief, not every single time you and I find ourselves in a storm or in a sticky place, it's because of some sin we have committed. Now, Now let me just say this really quickly. For the most part, every time we find ourselves in some difficult spaces, tell me if I'm wrong or tell me if I'm, if I'm lying, for the most part, what we begin to do first when we begin to encounter trials and difficulty and distress, we start to ask ourselves, what did I do? A- anybody here does that? Oh, I wonder if it's something I did. You know, maybe, maybe And so we start to go along the checklist, or so maybe I need to start praying more and so we start looking at you know am i am i really reading the scriptures right am i studying like like am i devoting enough time like what's going on and so the reason why we go through that checklist is because we're trying to figure out if the reason why we are going through this storm is because of something we have done directly but the storm scenario here teaches us that not every single time you and I find ourselves in the midst of a storm it would be because of some sin jaden you and I committed how could you tell a child that that, that when his father or mother walks, walks out or, or they're strung off or whatever, how could you say to a child it's because of something you did that dad left? How could you say to a, a, a devoted wife and lover, a, a, a woman who gets up early in the morning and she, she, she takes care of the breakfast and she, for years she has been making sure that the, the, the husband is ready to go to school and, and to, to go to work and the kids are well taken care of. How, how could you say to that woman it's something that you did that, 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 that pushed this man into the hands of another woman? So I'm just trying to help us to recognize, and many of us here have heard some of these stories, we, we've been victimized on the job. Some of us here have heard your stories, you've been bullied at school. It's, it's not necessarily, this is what I'm trying to say, it's not necessarily because of something you did that, that, that lands you in some of these stormy places. So we need to stop beating up ourselves, and, and quite frankly, we need to stop being like Job's friends sometimes because Job's friends, I mean, they, 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 they thought they were good friends, but they came to Job, and the first thing they said to Job, well, Job, clearly you, you, you have a sin problem. Clearly you need to go down in prayer. Clearly you need to do some introspection and some self-reflection because something is off. The reason why you just lost your family because something is off. The reason why you lost your livestock because something is off. The reason why you lost... Everything is because something is off, and Job has to rent his clothes, and he bows himself down and he worships God. And he would utter the words, Naked came I into this world, and naked I shall return. The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Check this, blessed be the name. Of the Lord, Job understood where, he st- when he understood where he stood in the sight of God. Because I didn't do anything. This has to be another reason behind it. So after we have done the checklist and after we have done the necessary introspection, we need to also come to a reality that maybe, just maybe, I'm going through this not because of some sin I committed. But maybe I'm going through this for a deeper reason at that these marinas were not part of the problem but they would certainly become part of the solution these marinas were not the the cause of the problem but they would come to a certain spiritual conclusion notice while the storm was raging they were praying out to their several gods But at the end of this scenario, the end of chapter 1, they would go from acknowledging their several gods to now acknowledging the God, the Jehovah God of heaven. So Jonah, while you were running away from God, Jonah, while you were being disobedient to God, God was still able to use you and use this situation to bring honor and glory to him. Can I say something before we move on? It's better for the child, the man and woman of God, to to walk in obedience with God, to accomplish God's will, rather than God use us even in our disobedience and still bring about his will. In other words, it's better for us to partner with God in submission than in stubbornness. God will use you and I regardless But at the end of the day, it's better for us to walk and partner with God in bringing people to Christ. But God will use you in your defiance. God will use you in your hate. God will use you in your malice. God will use you in your malintent. God will use you still to accomplish his will. But I just want to say... It's better if we partner with God in submission than if we were to do His will in stubbornness. So not only only does God teach us through the storms that we need to always be prepared, but God always teaches us as well in the storms that contrary to popular beliefs, not every single storm we encounter is as a result of some wrong we would have done. Let me move on really quickly. Church, it may not be our fault it certainly wasn't the marina's fault, but I want us to notice, that, notice this. Every single storm we encounter presents a unique opportunity to come into relationship with God. In other words, when the storm starts raging, you need to start praying. When the storm starts raging, you need to start, I need to start worshiping it's always an opportunity for us to come into closer relationship with God number three as I hasten to our close number three storms teach us what's important and what's not notice down at verses number five the the scripture would say that when the storm would hit just right and water starts now coming into the boat and they become, they, be, they, be, they, be, they became so fearful that the boat was going to sink. You, you know a boat is getting ready to sink out on the sea when there is more water in the boat than you have outside of the boat. And so they are fearful and uh, with good reason. Has anybody here ever been out in the middle of the ocean at night? I'm, I'm talking about on, 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 a, on a ship. You're, you're not on some cruise cruise ship, and you're downstairs, you know, down in the, in the casino throwing dice for, for fun. <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about in an in 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 open air, at least, or, or at least you were on top of the ship, and, and you're out in the middle of the night, and it, you're not even in a storm, but the, the waves are a little bit choppy. I, I'm telling you, that thing is scary. I'll, I'll walk in the dark, I'll drive in the dark, but don't put me in the middle of an ocean in the dark. It's, it's scary stuff. Because at any given point in time, you really don't have any control. On the land, you have some control. I could decide to, 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 to do the tuck and, and, and turn. If, if, if my car is going somewhere, I could tuck and turn and just get out there. Hopefully the car doesn't roll over me or something like that. But on the sea, you don't have any control. It's, it's out of your hands. And so if the boat goes overboard, if, 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 if the ship begins to sink, you have very few options. But here it is, I want us to appreciate, as we look at this text, here are these marinas. And notice this, the scripture says, they come to a point where they begin to take the cargo and they begin to throw all of the cargo overboard. Don't, don't miss this. These marinas... Their main source of income wasn't acting acting as a taxi service for people like Jonah. Their main source of income was trade. So they would go from place to place, they would buy, and then they would go another place and they would sell. Their main source of income was trade. So the very same thing that they were casting out of the boat was was the thing by, by which they sustained themselves and their family. But notice, as the storm was raging, they they got a clearer picture as to what's important and what's not. People will kill you for their car. People will kill you for their money. People will kill you for their possessions. As a matter of fact, people will kill you for yours. Right? Right? But the point is, people will, 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 will obviously kill you to, 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 to safeguard what they have. These marinas, when they recognize what was really at stake, either we keep the cargo on the boat... And we are more likely to die or either we cast the cargo overboard. I know we have some millions in here. I know we have some hundreds of thousands in here. I know we have years worth of wages and equity represented right here. But right here, right now, the thing that's most valuable is my life. Storms storms have a way of teaching us what's important and what's not. When they had a decision and a choice to make of choosing between things and their life, they understood that there was only one choice to be made, and that was to choose their life. Now, let me make this spiritual because this is all about the spiritual understanding as well. I'm telling you, if you have to choose the physical things of this world over the spiritual things of God, I'm, I'm trying to help us to recognize, choose the spiritual things of God every single time. Because these are the things that that don't decay. These are the things that don't fade away. These are the things that that thieves can't break in and, and steal. These are the things that matter most. The spiritual things of God. Your spiritual life is more important than your physical one. So if you have to choose between your physical life and your spiritual life, choose your spiritual life. Choose your soul over substance. Choose God over things. Choose people over possessions. So storms teach us what's important and what's not. If it's one thing COVID should have taught us is, is that church is of the utmost importance. If one thing COVID should have taught us is that, is that family is of the utmost importance. If one thing COVID should have taught us is, is just how valuable faith is and, 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 and having the ability to overcome fear, if, if it's one thing the storm is supposed to teach us, is what's important and what's not. Dare I say that when we come to worship, it's not about scrolling on your phone, watching Facebook. It's not about trying to catch up on the news and, this sports team is, is playing this sports team, and so we want to we wanna figure out what the score is. It's, 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 it's not to, to try and figure out what's going on in the, in the political arena and climate. It's, when we come to worship church, it's, the important thing is coming here to give God all, not some, not most. When we come to worship, it's to give God all of the glory. You, 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 hear, you, hear, you heard what I said? It's... It's to give, God. It's to put our focus and our entire entirety on God because, God, I'm here only because of you. I draw breath to work only because of you. I'm not saying lay your distractions at the door and then when you leave, pick them back up. Come here with the distractions and just give everything to God. Come here with your frustrations. Don't, don't try to deal with it on your own and then say, well, listen, I'm, I'm emotionally stable now so I can come to church. Listen, come to church crying. We'll cry with you. Come to church with your hurt. We will hurt with you and help lift you up. Come to church with your pain and your agony. Why is that? Because it's more important to safeguard your spiritual well-being than to think about your physical one. Well, I don't have the, the right clothes to come to church. I like to wear hoodies, and I don't, I, I, I don't have a, a, a soft shirt. That's okay. I don't have a problem one of these days wearing a hoodie and preach. Some, some of you might. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a problem. God knows. I don't have a problem wearing a short pants if that's going to make folks comfortable to preach. Granted yeah. that it's not too short, I do have legs. <laughs> Are you, you, you guys with me? Storms teach us. What's important and what's not? Chase, could I leave you with this as we close? Not only do storms teach us to always be prepared. Not only do storms teach us that contrary to popular belief, not every storm that we engage with is as a result of our own wrongdoing. Not only do storms teach us what's important and what's not, but finally, here's what I want us to see. Storms teach us who's really in control. We are a people that are obsessed with having control. Some of us have been blessed with, with kids like myself growing up who, who never disobeyed their parents. That, that's not true. That's not true. Parents, kids don't always do what you want them to do. Grown-ups don't always do what God wants us to do. We have little to no control over every single thing. We may try to control our environment. We try to control our space. We say things like kick all the negativity and negative people out and, and, and enjoy your space, safeguard your space. That's, that's us trying to, 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 to take charge and take hold of our situation. We are trying to grasp control. But the truth is there are things in life that you and I have no control over. And the the truth is there are things in life that doctors have no control over either. We we, we have some people here right now that got a diagnosis and the doctor said, you only have a few months to live and it's been years now. We have a bunch of people online that, 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 that went through marital situations and, and marital problems. And, and people would say it will never work. But after two and three times, you gave that person a try. And today, you guys are, are married for a long time. Now, I'm, I'm just saying there are things that we want to have control over that we don't have control. Storms teach us, if we're honest, that we have no control. Right. These marinas, when, when Jonah told them, listen, you just cast me into the sea. And the storm will be over. They said, Nah, Jonah, we understand that your life is valuable. And, and so we won't go down that type of road. And so they took up their oars and they started to try to row. It was that type of boat. And, and so 15, 16, 17 of them, they're trying to row to make, it, to make their way out of the storm. But the storm was too great to make any headway whatsoever according to their physical strength. Sometimes the things that we're going through is too great for us to... To try to deal with with human wisdom but we won't learn that soon enough sometimes the things that we're going through is too great for for these for these worldly psychologists and psychiatrists to to deal with sometimes the things that we're going through is too great even for medicine to treat i need for us to understand that god is the one that has all power and authority so you might think it might not work out. You might think that you're not good enough. People might say it won't work. People might tell you and give you a certain amount of time to live. But God is the one that has the final say. Amen. I don't care how many times you've tried to talk to your cousin about God and they continue to reject you. Keep going back. I don't care how many times your, your neighbor gives you distress and you just keep loving them. I don't care how many times you get to church hurt. It's not God that hurt you. It was people. Keep stable and keep trusting God. So storms teach us, if you didn't get it yet, storms teach us who is really Steve in control. Church, could we stand? Could we stand? We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing the song of invitation, I want to encourage you. If, if you are here, listen to this. If you are here and you are hurting, I want to ask you to walk up to the front. Let me repeat that one more time. If you are here and you are hurting, I want to ask you to come up to the front. If you are here and you've been going through a period of frustration, I want to ask you to walk up to the front. If you're afraid to walk up to the front, would you just tap the person next to you and say, would you walk with me? If you are here and your family is going through problems, and you have the confidence enough, I want you to walk to the front. If you are here, and as you do some introspection, you realize that you have not been living the way that God has called you to live, and maybe like Jonah, you've been running away from God, whereas God wants to send you in a particular direction, I'm I'm encouraging you, this is a moment. Don't let the devil just keep you there and not move closer to God. We'll dim the lights. We'll have our elders to the front. We'll sing a couple songs. We'll sing for as long as we need to. If you need prayer, that's all I'm saying. I want to encourage you to make your way up. We'll pray together. We'll cry together. We'll do whatever we need to do together. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. Whatever you need to do to help in this moment, I want to encourage you to do it as we sing